I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome a mystical master of money, Susan Schloss. Susan is a certified money coach and helps people with their relationship with money, which yes, we all have and almost all struggle with at some point or another. So Susan comes in to help you with practical financial expertise and intuitive inspiration around your finances. Susan and I have a really remarkable conversation that explores how money really ties into so many other material components of our life that can result in addiction and abuse and struggles and lack and really impact our lives and ourselves. And that when it comes down to it, money is energy and like any other relationship in our life, awareness and mindfulness around this relationship can change everything. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Yes, so wonderful to have you. And so excited to talk about this very pertinent and fabulous topic, which is money. Money and wealth and affluence and abundance. Wow. It's a lot of things to consider in such a big part of our lives. Definitely. Integral part every day. Yeah, for every single person. Everyone has a relationship with money. It's something that... We, unless you uh, get totally off the grid and find a way to uh, live in a remote island where there is no currency, then, but even then, you have, you know, there's still the value of what you need resources, right? Ultimately, money is a resource. Exactly. Yeah. And so our relationship with that is something that can be very complicated. Definitely, because it's so survival based. Yes. Yeah. It's integral to our survival and our sustainability in our lives. So yeah, I can't wait to, uh, to get into this with you. And, and I just, I'm so glad that you offer this. I've personally, I've never met a money coach before. I've never really heard about it. Makes sense. I mean, financial guides and coaches yet. I'm so glad that I have somebody who's also spiritually focused mm-hmm. to have on the show to talk about this. Well, I love that you have this space where a person can be a money coach and their hundred percent spiritual self. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Susan, you and I met originally through uh, Jessica Hadari's group through her business mastery circles. And then we got to meet in person last summer at a summer solstice celebration. Yes. That was really beautiful. Sitting outside at the table in a beautiful garden. Yeah. And Bolinas on the coast. It was so, it was foggy because it was Bellinas, but it was still beautiful Yeah, on that day. So that was so great to get to meet you and have, have fun with all those wonderful, magical ladies. We did a drum circle to welcome in the, the uh, summer. It was pretty fantastic. So yeah, so that's how we got connected. And then Susan, can you share with us about kind of what your work looks like now, you know, you're now that you're established for a while now as a money coach, what is your business? Who are your clients? What kind of work do you do? Great. I'm a certified money coach and I help spiritually oriented women overcome their obstacles around money. And usually that is based in some kind of trauma and we explore that and go deeply into it. And I have a group program that I offer. So um, we meet three three evenings a week and dive into each person's issues. But I also have a whole system that helps people to identify what their dynamics are and where they came from. And just through the awareness that starts to happen, that begins to shift things for them. So that's the work I'm doing. And I'm also getting into how to incorporate social justice into my work. And I'll be sharing about one way that I'm doing that right now. So that's been something that's been a passion of mine for a couple of years and just a lot of learning that I've been doing and really wanting to have a diverse community, 
which really takes doing my own inner work to be that person that is a safe person to a talk to money about and secondly to feel comfortable no matter what your cultural background might be so that's been something that I've been cultivating and I had a bookkeeping business for 15 years that I am now down to just a very small few clients. So that's a piece of what I'm up to that doesn't take much of my energy, but it's something that supports me with pretty much passive income right now because I have somebody doing that. And so for my own personal growth right now, I'm looking at ways to financial growth. I'm looking at ways to develop more passive income. So that's a piece of the whole wealth conversation. Yes. Yes. That's the dream. To, yes. uh, to find those, I know as well, anyone who is on the clock with their time where you're, you can only do so much in a week, it's wonderful to kind of broaden your outlets and your offerings so that it's not just something where you have to be directly there with someone else. It's, you know, you can write books and have, you know, what webinars and all these things that people can take home and watch and do in their own time. I'd love to hear more about that because I think that's what everybody's kind of looking to incorporate. You hear about that more and more people, you know, side hustles and side businesses where people can get that, that other stream of income. Yes. It's important when we're thinking about just developing a portfolio that is going to grow and support us and to be able to have the time freedom that we want. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you are living your soul's calling, your soul's purpose. Do you Mm -hmm. feel like you were led to this work? Absolutely. Absolutely. It just started to call to me uh, probably about 10 years ago. And this idea of a money coach. Now, I didn't think that I was going to end up in the money world. That wasn't something I planned or got educated for at all. I was always a creative person. And I had a music therapy degree. I have a music therapy degree. So I was headed more you know, that involves psychology too. So I was always interested in psychology and I was a musician and an artist, which I'm reclaiming now, the artist part of me. Oh. Yes. And so, yeah, this thing of being a money coach came after falling into the money world, really, where I was, I, I was at Schwab for a number of years and became an investment specialist there And what I learned about the money piece is that in a past life, I had been abused around money, you know, like shamed and lost everything and gone through this whole, uh, you know, trauma. And so in this life, I'm here to help heal the relationship with money, not just for myself or for the people I work with, but on a a larger level. So that's what I was told in a reading. And I'm really glad that there's a place that I can share that piece. Yes. I'm so glad you share that. And I'm, I've had a few guests have pieces like that in their story. And I love that it's able to be brought to this space and that people can hear it because I think that, you know, I mean, it's to each their own, whether or not they align with that or resonate with that, but I very much so do. And I found that looking into and exploring insights into past lives has been so illuminating into sort of explaining and shedding light on our current lifetime and why it's here and why certain things sort of are harder for us are challenging for us, why we're drawn to certain things. And I think that that's helpful. It kind of gives you a, another piece of the puzzle, more pieces of the, the puzzle rather than feeling like we only have this one little piece of this lifetime. Definitely. Definitely. So when did you, did you have any struggles personally? Were financials something that were a challenge for you in this lifetime at all? Is that what drew you towards this a little bit after you were, you know, you were more kind of musical and artistically inclined, but what specifically made you think I want to, or was it just that inspiration that, Oh, this is what I'm here to do. Or did you have a connection with finances? I did have an avoidance, I would say, of money and a pattern of living very small. I didn't put a lot of importance on money. I just took whatever job came up and didn't really think about how much I was going to make. I would say in my first jobs, 
I probably didn't even ask how much I was going to make, <laughs> you know, and in the money archetype system that I use, that's the money innocent, just kind of having the blinders on. And so I lived very small for many years. And with the bookkeeping business, it was flexible and allowed me to do a lot of good self-care, which I needed at the time because I was going through chronic fatigue and, you know, just needing a lot of health support. So, but it was always time for money, time for money. And there was this tremendous stress of getting the hours in, you know, and yet when tax time came around, I had never saved anything to pay my taxes as a self-employed person. Somehow that just completely escaped me. So I'd be juggling around taking from my retirement savings that I had gotten at Schwab and borrowing from credit cards and things like that. And I did incur debt at one point, especially in a relationship where I was codependent and letting my partner just use my credit because she was also dealing with chronic fatigue and couldn't work. So it was a mess. And I ended up having to pay that off over a long period of time. So when I finally paid off my debt in 2016 or 2015, I think it was, then I thought, okay, it's time to pursue this money coaching thing that's been tapping me on the shoulder. And I had worked with a money coach that really helped me. And then I found Deborah Price's training, the Money Coaching Institute, and she has a certification program. So I went through her training and it really gave me a turnkey business to be able to just start working with clients right away. Wow. Wonderful. Wonderful. And then you you also have a background in uh, music. You said you do music therapy and you, I was a... Uh, lucky enough to hear um, you play your, your violin at the the solstice. It was so beautiful. So is that something that you thought you were going to do more of in your career earlier on? Is that And did you start that from a young age? I think that when I went to college, I thought I would be a music therapist. And I did that for a couple of years, but the mental health situations that I was in, those environments were really rough. And I didn't really resonate with it 100%. So, and I didn't probably have the maturity to branch out on my own at that time. But I've been playing violin since I was seven years old and was always creative with art. And I also had my spiritual awakening when I was 15 years old. So those things have been with me for a really long time. And in the first couple of years of doing music, uh, doing money coaching, I just thought I needed to be kind of mainstream with it so that people would, you know, like don't rock the boat. And then at a certain point, it's like, no, I am a spiritual person and this is who I am. And this is what my money coaching practice is going to be. And these are the people I want to work with, the people who have that orientation. So I have brought my spirituality into it 100%. And then I also have brought the violin into it. I, I didn't really think I was going to be a professional musician. I just am not the person who is driven that way where, you know, you're going to practice all day and have that be the center of your life. You really have to be driven to, I think, achieve that. But it's always been a joy for me and I love to improvise. So that's the main way that I use it is to create a heartful environment and channel music to do some healing. You know, I like to bring different elements into my work that are body centered and right brain centered. So I use it for that. That's so wonderful. That's so wonderful. Music is so, so powerful sound healing and it's so soothing and balancing. I find that, you know, when you're feeling distraught or off there's energy, right? Sound healing is energetic, kind of aligns with your, attunes with your, your body's frequencies and kind of seems to just sort of straighten things out. And, you know, money is energy, which is an interesting concept that I imagine, you know, you incorporate and, you know, it, it operates the same way as anything else that's energetic in that there can be a real push and pull and a real battle with it to like, feel like you need to hold on to it or seek, mm. chase after it or 
obtain it. And it's an interesting relationship. It, it reminds me almost of food. You know, I've struggled with an eating disorder. I mean, I specialize in working as a therapist with people with eating disorders and it's, you know, the binge purge, the, the restrict and the indulge and the, just your relationship with it becomes so complex where ultimately food is your energy. So you kind of ask what's, there's something more to this. Food is just a, a material energy in as a material form. It's not anything more than that. So it's, it, it's the same sort of what's your relationship with that. And similar with money, you know, I have a lot of friends were, who do struggle a lot with financial issues and I've listened to them. And it reminds me a lot of an eating disorder because I'll find that they will just talk all the time about money. Like, oh, I just never have enough. And I, you know, I just, I'm struggling to pay for this. And I don't know if I can do that this year or buy this because I don't have the money. And then they'll get a bunch of money and then they'll just spend it. And they'll just suddenly start rather than saying, okay, I'm going to keep this and not get into, they'll spend a ton of it and then buy a lot of stuff. And then they're right back to that lack place, that insufficient place. So it was just interesting to see because I was like, that's kind of how I have always struggled with food. It's like, okay, well, I got to lose this weight. And then as soon as I do, it's like, oh, I, I just want to eat, eat, eat and get. So that, yeah, it's, it's just interesting, the similarities. Very yeah. much a parallel path of recovery for the two. And I do bring, I usually bring a food person into my program. I have speakers come in sometimes because they there's often there are often food issues for people who have money issues and probably the other way around too yeah because it is an addictive cycle you know and probably similar to food there's usually uh -huh. some trauma element to it that triggers some of these behaviors and recognize being able to recognize when that trauma is activated can be really helpful for making better choices and and looking at the origins of these things is I think really helpful too and you know one of the pieces that just comes to mind is mindfulness and I'm wondering if that's a piece of what you bring in to working with people with food it's really important on the money side of things yeah. Well, I think mindfulness is always key because otherwise you're just sort of reacting to everything. To me, mindfulness is when you're able to just be in that still place and you're, you're not reacting, you're just receiving and you're able to just sort of sit and look at what is, because if you don't look at what is, it's just what you said. It, it is an addiction, money, the addiction, the cycle of money gain and loss is an addiction. The cycle of weight gain and loss is an addiction. And just like any addiction, it's all based in a lack of, there's no actual sustenance that's occurring. There's no, you're not being fulfilled by what you think you need. You know, people who just want more and more money, it's not like they get a certain amount and they're like, okay, I'm good. I feel good. I finally filled that hole. Any addiction is that bottomless bucket, right? It's like, you can keep pouring into it, you know? And I know that my experience with eating is that again, I'll think, oh, if I just got to this weight, then I would be perfect. And I'll keep myself at that weight. But then it's almost once you achieve what you thought you wanted, it's like something goes off and you like, don't even want to look at it. Like you don't want to acknowledge like, oh, I'm where exactly where I want to be. You just start to self-destruct. You know, it's like, oh, well, I just, I want to, you know, I'll just have this indulgence and this and that. And then all of a sudden you're right back to needing to lose weight again. So it's almost like you don't know how to sit with what you think you wanted because you don't know how to be mindful. It's distraction is an addiction, right? That chase is addicting to always be needing something because it's too, it's like, well, what would you do if you had everything you wanted? Someone who doesn't know to, how to be at peace and to be with themselves and to be mindful isn't going to be able to do that. There, It's addiction to chaos, right? A constant need, a constant up or down or left or right, or some kind of chaos. Yeah, definitely. And I think it also comes back to being able to love ourselves. And I look at this cycle of self-love, self-care, and um, self-worth around money. Yeah. So when we are really taking care of ourselves and treating ourselves with love, then the self-love grows and the self-worth grows. And that's the thing that our decisions need to come out of. So, and to be able to quiet down and be with our feelings and look at whatever's present in the moment so that, like you said, we don't have to go and create distraction and drama. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's just so 
hard for people. And it's definitely not what we are modeled very often in our families. There's from a lot of families have a lot of challenges financially, not all, but a lot do struggling to, you know, make ends meet. And so people can grow up in a family where it's constantly, they're, they're hearing and they're getting the messages of, Oh, we're, we're not stable. We need to, how are we going to get money this month? How are we going to pay for that? And so it becomes this sort of insecurity or fear. A thing that's interesting is I have actually met a lot of people or quite a few who have achieved great success. And they have a lot of money, but they came from families that were maybe on welfare or in a position of lack, and they never feel like they have enough. It's like they they have achieved this level of success, but they're always like, yeah, but okay, well, now I just need to get to this next level and the next one. And they are um, workaholics. You know, I had this friend where it was like his health was compromised. And I said, don't you think it's time to slow down? And he said, I can't. I can't slow down. I got to support my family. I have to do this. I have to, I want to get this car. And I said, well, you, but what about what you have now? You got a lot of stuff, but you can't really enjoy it because you work so much. And it like, couldn't, he's like, I can't think about that. Or so, you know, he just didn't want to see it. He didn't want to see that he was just continually pushing himself. So that's an interesting thing is that I think that people who early on in life have a lot of money insecurity are just constantly chasing that dragon of like needing to get more. And it's, there's never, again, because it's that bottomless bucket. Like there's never, the, the limit is infinite. You can always go for more. And it's the same with, you know, they're all related like image, like how you look. If you don't feel attractive, there's almost nothing that's enough. You're going to want more and more and more because there's always like a higher level of attraction to you can be. And then money, you can always get more money and achievements, right? Success. It's like, oh, okay, well, I got this award, but what about that person got this? So all these material things are so connected where we're just constantly battling and fighting for more or to get what we want. But what we want is so nebulous because it's not actually connected to our center, to our essence. Mm-hmm. It's out there in the material. So it's it's not even real. Yeah. And you mentioned that this friend came from a, a family that, or you've seen people who come from a family where there isn't enough and there's that constant message of lack. And that sense of lack can get handed down through generations. So for people who have come from the depression era or their grandparents came from the depression era it's really amazing they may have grown up very comfortably but that imprint has been so powerfully instilled into their parents that it's right there in their nervous system and it's so powerful how those uh what's the word um that is the new you know genetically passed down patterns uh, I can't think of it at the moment, but these patterns can get passed down in our DNA. Yeah. So, and it, so that's one side of it. And the other side of it is that sometimes it doesn't even have to have anything to do with money. So in my own case, we grew up comfortably and, but there was sexual abuse and I've heard people on your show talk about sexual abuse before and the damage that that causes for our self-esteem and for our ability to expand and be visible and, you know, really show up as the fullness of who we are. So for in my case, that was really, I think, the thing that directly related to my living really small and so much of the money growth piece is being able to heal those kinds of traumas and then learn how, learn that it's safe to increase our capacity for love, for joy, for how much space we take up in the world. Because as you have, the reason people spend right away is because they're not comfortable taking up that space. When you start to save money, you are expanding the amount of real estate that you occupy energetically. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really powerful to see people be able to do that as they heal these wounds, whether it came from money wounds or other wounds in childhood. And then, and it also will look at the other side of it, taking the practical steps of just setting up automatic transfers in a savings account, for example, or tracking your money can be really empowering. And that's the money warrior. 
So you can approach it from both sides where you're doing this healing work on the inside and also taking these empowering steps. And then they come together, I'd say, at the center of your spirituality, really, because that's where we always can fall back and come into that space of love and acceptance that is a generative space for making healthy and loving decisions. Yeah. In all regards, right? With your money, with your your body, with your health, with the food you eat, your diet, you know, with your lifestyle, with what all these things, again, all comes back to the same thing. If that center core isn't, does you don't feel connected with it. If you feel like it's tainted or that it's not there even, because I think that's always at the crux of any addiction is often trauma. And the idea that because of what happened to us or because of who we are, that there is something just sort of like you said with money that we're not worthy of having real greatness or, you know, real wealth or real success or real love or any of those things. And it might not even be conscious, but it's this sub subconscious idea that, you know, that's not me. I'm that person that, you know, maybe it could be uh, abuse when you were younger, or it could be an incident that happened or any form of trauma that really made you challenge about challenge yourself about who you are and question who you are. And those stick with you so much, those events. And as in my own work and as a therapist, that's the hardest piece to allow people to see that they truly at their essence are brilliant and safe and miraculous and worthy and so lovable and have their own brilliant, bright light and uniqueness to shine their own gifts, finding their way to exactly what they're meant for. But if they don't believe it, you get lost and you're going to, and when you feel lost, you grab at things outside of you for comfort, to feel better, to have something, some path to walk. And it's often not a healthy one. Often that, again, that that path of seeking, seeking, seeking until you find yourself, you're always going to be seeking, right? Absolutely. Seeking through money, seeking through sex, seeking through drugs, food, everything. But it's it's kind of like we're starting to figure out this this puzzle. I feel, and that's why I really started this podcast is because I feel that people like you and I and all the people I've had on this show, both men and women, of course, all genders. It's not just a you know, it's called Women Waken, but it's really just more about the, that feminine energy that's about balance. It's about like that core. You know, I feel like that's the essence of feminine energy is the grounding, rooting energy. And I feel like so many people now are recognizing, like opening up their channels. They're they're hearing that calling, that nagging that says, there's a work I'm meant to do to bring something to this space, to heal this space. You know, I read a book once that said, um, you you came to the space to heal the space. Hmm. And I feel that's what all of us are as healers are doing is we recognize that's why I'm here. I'm not here, but I I feel like a lot of us who come into this work had to go through very traumatic and troubling lives and events because it's almost the catalyst for remembering and recognizing, well, we have to learn for ourselves before we can teach others, right? So until we really truly know that devastation and that pain and suffering and how we had to heal ourselves, we don't really know how to heal others. But once that happens, we see the truth. And the truth is that there was never anything wrong with us. Something just happened to us that really compromised our beliefs about ourselves and really hurt and left a lot of pain. But then we find the the miracle of healing and we want to share it with others. And there's so many different forms of healing. Yeah. So beautiful. So beautiful. So what I find as a result of having gone through my own healing process and continuing to go through it all the time, you know, it's always, life is always evolving and there are always new openings and new challenges is that I have capacity to hold space. And I think that's the most important piece really is that, you know, our energy as we do our healing is a safe stronghold for other people. Even if we don't say anything, there's a sense that they're seen and heard because we can be with that. And if I'm with a client and I'm triggered by their whatever they're going through or the way they're presenting or, you know, if they're in a pattern that they can't shift, 
then I have to come back and look at myself and what's going on there so that I can, okay, how can I be with this person fully and allow them to be where they are and not judge them? Yeah, absolutely. And that takes mindfulness, right? It takes getting Mm -hmm. to that place where you have the wisdom to see that because again, when you're still stuck in that suffering and pain, I know at least for me, it was I was I always needed something to feel better, to feel it was too focused on myself because I was so scared and so ungrounded. But just as you spoke to, the more I've healed and grounded, not all the time, but more often than not, I am able to sort of check in and become mindful and so that I can be present for others. And so that I know that I have my needs met. So then I can help others to heal. But I think until you're in that space, it's your energy is so all over the place that it's, it's hard to really give of yourself. You're not as strong of it. You're not, you can't channel as much because you just don't, you know, you haven't found that stream. Basically. Yeah. And, and for me, I think it has manifested as kind of the stinginess with my energy protectiveness. It's like, there's not enough of me, that kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. So as I have healed, there's a lot more of me. There's more generosity. There's more that I can hold and be with. And I don't have to fix anybody, you know. I just like to ask questions that can help a person see themselves and what what might be in their way. And the other piece that you help me think about is I help people get in touch with their life purpose. And this is really important. You were talking about it earlier. Um, when when we really understand our calling, then that can motivate our decisions and our direction. And it's really beautiful to see people start to pursue those things that because of those dampering, the dampering effects of their life experience, they haven't felt that they were either worthy or, or that it was okay or safe to pursue the vision of what they're here to do. So it's really beautiful when people start to open up to that. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I feel like that's everyone's sort of their birthright. I feel like that's what we, again, what we come here to do is to open up again to the truth and to see that true, you know, when you're speaking, what what I thought of when you said that you really, you finally felt like you had more of yourself to give, it's you recognize that infinite abundance that is each of us. We all have infinite abundance, but when you're in that place of lack, it's pretty miserable when you're like, well, you can't have this, or I'm supposed to have that because I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I feel like that's the thing that runs through our heads when people are in this state of lack and addiction. It's like, I need more, 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 more. You know, I've spent so many years of my life needing more of so many things and it's exhausting. And it's ironic because you think that, you know, that that's going to make you happy. You're like, no, I need to look out for myself and just chase these things. But the best moments of my life are those brief moments where I just have that sense that, oh my gosh, I don't need anything. I don't need a single thing. It's like this, these brief moments, and I hope I have more of them. They're a bit ephemeral right now, but I think as you get older, I experience more of them. Just that sense of I'm fine just as I am. I don't need anything. And, and it's like this peace, this it's freedom. That's what it is. It's like some, it's like, mm. oh my gosh, I'm free from all these beliefs that hold me down, that bind me. Well, I need this to be happy. And because this happened to me, I'll never be happy. You know, and that goes back to trauma. I have, you know, I have my own trauma and I, for many years, I felt, well, I'll never really like myself because of what happened. You know, I'll never really be able to accept myself. That's just how it is. And it's like this, like I'm handcuffed to something. And, but then you realize that you're the only one keeping yourself in that chain. So when those chains release, we open up to that infinite abundance and we see it come through us and it's, it's a great feeling. And it's like your heart opens, you know, it's a heart opening thing and you, you channel it and you recognize that, Oh my gosh, that's the best feeling in the world. Not getting everything you thought you wanted, but finding that it was always inside of you and letting it go out. I think people who might not quite understand it, it, to me, it's kind of like the feeling when you um, first kind of fall in love with someone or you feel love. And it's like, why do I feel this thing in my chest? Like, I feel like something's, opening it's like something's happening in here and it's it's because you're kind of allowing your heart to open a little to connect with something 
So that's kind of intense (laughs) conversation, but I feel like it's all, like you said, finding your life purpose. It's like you recognize that there's something so infinite and abundant within you that you can freely give and that can really inspire and, and change others. And that is the greatest glory of life more than anything you can obtain is what you've always had to give. Absolutely. And that beautiful place of peace that is at the core of that. Uh, that that's really the most important thing that I can do in my day is to do practices that ground me in that. And that's really the directive I've gotten from my guidance is your work is to stay in connection with the divine, to stay in connection with guidance, to stay in connection with my body, with nature and everything else comes from that. And this is really my money journey is that Yes, I pay attention to the details of my money and I have goals and visions, but on a day-to-day basis, it's okay, what's the right next action? And having that come from a place of relaxation. I spent a whole year focusing on relaxing around work because I was so compulsive when I would sit at my computer doing bookkeeping, you know, and my poor body suffered for it. So learning how to come to our work, light a candle and make it a sacred time of being with your business and relaxing and letting the flow come in. And then as soon as I start to tense up, okay, time to step away and just walk around the house, play my violin, go outside in nature. And I find I'm so much more productive when I really follow that energy flow. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love that you shared that because I think it's so important. I think people can often listen to podcasts or people who have reached success and are doing great. And they feel like, Oh man, like they're just awesome. And I'll never be like that. And they're just, they must just be perfect. But it it does. Once you reach that state, it is kind of, so if you think of a flow is like a chain, like a flowing channel, it's kind of like a, a river. So it's like, you can be in the river, but you can always get out, you know? And I think when you describe those moments where you're kind of getting like, you know, really caught up in work and kind of super focused or obsessive. And you're like, I need to reconnect with what's real. It's like, you kind of, kind of wade out of the river and kind of need to get yourself back in the flow. And I think that's important for people to know that even once we found that place and we've learned how to be more mindful and in flow, it's a, it's a constant practice. It's an art. It's something we consistently work at, you know, I'm not there, but I, again, it's like you, you find yourself spending more time in the flow as you start working on it. Yeah. And I think what happens too, is that we have less tolerance for the discomfort of being out of it. Yes. Yeah. Really beautiful. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But I know for me, and I don't know, you know, I I guess everyone finds it this way because you kind of have to hit bottom before you really can move forward. But I had to, I've spent a long time still struggling with the same things and, and it, but it took what it took. If that makes sense. Oh. I felt at certain times, like I'm so over this and I just want to just focus on this and be able to, to flow, but it can take a while to really work through those things enough that you're actually ready to let go. Kind of like the blossoming of a flower. You kind of have to trust that there's a certain amount of time we, we spend with certain troubles and certain things that we can't just force it to be gone. It's like, there's a certain amount of work that has to take place and then things kind of open up. That's really true. And I think that grieving is a part of this picture that you're talking about, that when we feel safe enough to grieve what we lost, what you know we didn't get that we needed or yeah. whatever it is that's kind of that we're running from, really, you know, it's like we're running from the pain. And if we can do that grieving, that can really help to more consistently be in the present and make our, make our, make our decisions from that place of relaxation and self-love. Absolutely. And thank you for saying that because that, that's exactly what it is. It's ultimately it's that grief. You allowing for grief is so important because if we try to cut it short and say, I just, okay, I identified it. I healed a little bit. I'm going to move on. It's like a, you know, a weed that just is going to come right back up if you don't get to the root of it. Right. So you, that's, that's what I was getting to is that you got to trust that. Yes. It's frustrating when you're like, I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I just want it to be over. I don't want to care anymore about this, 
you know, I don't want to care about money. I don't want to care about food. I'm so done. But there is the grieving process is so vital because it is that last little piece where you're, you're literally sort of releasing this belief you've held, but also this life or reality that you thought you were going to have. And that's, you know, whether it's not having a past that didn't include trauma or getting the life that you thought you wanted and being able to release that and, and be able to say, I'm just so sad. There's part of me that's still just so sad that this happened or didn't happen, whatever it is. And just sitting with that and then going deep enough that you kind of hit that point where you say, okay, I did it. And now I can kind of, I think I can safely release it now because I got right in there. Yeah. It's just, it's so important to allow that expression of grief and sadness. Yeah, it really is. And the other thing that occurs to me about this is that we're on a natural trajectory of evolution. Our soul is going to know the next thing. And you were talking to speaking to this earlier that when we're ready, we'll be at the next level and no sooner. And so we don't have to worry. There was this saying from a a saint, does a baby elephant worry about becoming a grown-up elephant? You know, and it's... it's Is it going to happen? Am I going to be a big elephant one day? (laughs) Wait and find out. I think, I think you will. (laughs) Yeah. We all will. And our evolution will happen very naturally one day at a time. And so sometimes what I've noticed when I've been in a growth period where I'm opening up that there are tears that are coming up and I don't have to even name what they're about. It's just shutting the old me. Yeah. Yeah. Very, that purification process. Yes. That will happen many times throughout your life where you're literally releasing what you once were. And, and, you know, it's so fascinating because it's what happens from one lifetime to the next, but then also many times within one lifetime. You know, we think that we're the same person, like through this one lifetime we're in now, but we're not. We're many different kinds of people, you know, maybe like the same general physicality and expression, but it's, we're constantly changing just the same way that when this lifetime is over, we just keep changing more and more and more and in a different physicality, but it's all part of the same beautiful, infinite process. So when you can be more comfortable with that and trust it more, you know, cause as you said, I've had times like that too, where I, I just start crying. I don't know why. And our, int- our natural inclination is usually to question things. Well, why is this happening? What is this about? What, you know, and, but trusting that again, it's sort of like an energetic release, it's that purging. So we just allow. I love that. I love the word purification too. Yeah. These things happen on all different levels. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, this has been so beautiful and such a a profound conversation. I would like to get, you know, a little more specific into the money piece. So I feel like we, we just covered like sort of the broad big picture about what this is really all about. But when, for those who their thing is financial is money. I'm curious about when you have a client come to you and they're in this place where they, maybe they're not really that spiritually inclined, but all they know is they're so tired of this cycle with money where it feels like they're constantly struggling with it. Their relationship is just very tumultuous. What is your first approach? How do you help someone in that state? I have them do a money biography and go through every year of their life, recalling any memories that had to do with money and also any traumatic events that happened in their life. And it's a very cathartic process. And then we will go through that together and pick out some of the patterns that we see or maybe help to explain how some of those things have affected the person in their life today if they haven't seen it. And that's the first step that we take. And then we look at their parents' patterns and what they've inherited or we So a lot of times our our patterns come from rejecting our parents' patterns. So if your parents' patterns were, for example, that they fought constantly about money because one was a spender and the other one was a tyrant, you know, or Scrooge, then we're not going to want to have anything to do with money. I see this a lot for people. So recognizing that can really, really help to be able to claim your own relationship with money and that it's not money 
that is so painful. It's that experience of, you know, these two opposing sides and then taking baby steps to maybe just start writing down your numbers every day. Just write down everything you spend and everything that comes in every day. So you start to develop a capacity and a comfort or do a mindful money practice where you're looking at your bank accounts every day and looking at what's coming in and going out. And because that money innocent really needs to just start building confidence with engaging that it can be. And and I recommend lighting a candle when you're doing any kind of thing with money, you know, or pausing and taking a moment to ground and meditate. And sort of making it sacred. Yeah, making it sacred. Making it sacred. So, you know, it's hard to work with me and not have a spiritual element. Uh, If people just want to do the practical stuff, that's not me, you know, because uh, my understanding and my experience is that it just has to be beneath the surface. We have to, if, if we could have engaged in the way we wanted to, we would have by now, right? If, if we could have stopped spending just by knowing we should stop spending, we would have, or just by having somebody tell us, stop, stop spending compulsively. You're hurting yourself. Oh, okay. Oops. I did it again. You know, we have to go beneath what, what is causing those behaviors. So for a spender, what I suggest is, you know, Amazon is a huge trap for so many people. So look, you know, leaving things in your Amazon cart before you press submit. And with larger expenses, talking to somebody. Now it takes a while for the ego to dislodge from these patterns of I want what I want when I want it. Mm-hmm. And so with some people, I have to keep reminding them, reach out. And and I had one client who would always say, well, I didn't want to because I didn't want you to tell me not to, <laughs> you know. And gradually there's more willingness and understanding that I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. I just want to explore it with them to help them look at all sides of the decision and see if it's what they really want to do. And if they do, that's totally their choice. If they have the money and they want to do that. That's the thing that people don't understand is that it's your choice. And a lot of times people feel like anytime they spend, they're doing something wrong. If somebody's in a spending pattern like that, you know, and they've they've been they've tended to have compulsive spending, there's a sense that I can't buy myself anything without feeling guilty. And so there's never that gratification of giving to yourself. So you have to learn to receive. And yeah. And that, gosh, there's just so many things that tie in. Cause I think another reason why it reminds me of struggled with food is because unlike other addictions, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, drugs and alcohol and all those things, you have to have a relationship with money. You can't just stop dealing with money, you know, same with food. If you have trouble with food, you can't just stop eating, you know, do you have to learn to have a relationship with it? And then what you just said um, reminds me of people who have, who do have a history of, of sexual abuse or trauma where they have to learn that they still might want an intimate relationship, even though they've struggled with being okay with maybe being seen or touched or feeling pleasure. You know, a lot of people who have been through that don't feel comfortable or feel like they can feel pleasure the same way as you're describing people with money. It's like, well, now I can't buy anything. And I just, I can't, I can't do something with money that feels good because I did that too much and it got me in trouble. So now it just has to be, I can't enjoy it. But again, same with the sexual part. It's, you can still feel joy. You can learn to, but it comes to recognizing that you just are deserving of that, you know, and always have been and can have it in a healthy way. It doesn't always have to be a harmful way. Yeah. There's definitely a parallel with the two paths for sure. And being able to open up to our sexuality and our sexuality really helps with opening to abundance on the money side as well. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. Cause it is a little bit about, you know, it's feeling, cause as you spoke of earlier, it's about feeling 
big and feeling like a presence, feeling like it's okay to feel like you have desires and needs and enjoyments, you know, it's okay. You know, you don't have to keep yourself small or limited with money or sex. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So then that's one of, so you have people who are overspenders. What about people who are just really fearful about, you know, not getting enough money and like a lack mentality who just feel, I think that's one of the, you know, you're eight, but where it's like just this timidness around money where it's like, Oh, I'll never have very much. And I can't spend it. I can never use it. Yeah. That's probably the money innocent. It could be the money victim too. And I'm going to talk, speak to the money victim because I spoke to the money innocent a minute ago. The money victim is the hardest one for people to look at. I had a client really get upset with me when I pointed it out the other day. And um, I probably shouldn't have. But anyway, (laughs) um, it's really important to be able to see when that part of us is feeling like we're at the mercy of something outside of us, whether it be our history or the IRS or COVID or anything. And there's, there's probably a grain of truth to any of that, but that posture of feeling powerless is always going to keep us in a stuck place, you know? And so watching those stories that we're telling ourselves over and over again um, about being terrible with money or, you know, the government's taking all my money or whatever that story is. And the feeling in our, in, in my body around that is so palpable. It's like this feeling of shutdown and heaviness Mm -hmm. and to be able to recognize when that victim is present and to give her compassion, you know, because she's scared, she's angry to get in touch with the anger can be really helpful And it's part of that healing process that we need to be able to receive and open to more abundance coming in. Yeah. Okay. And now I got another one coming in, which is love. I think that sex and love are obviously combined, but sex we think of as more tangible. But when I think of love, because when you spoke to that, it came to me that it can be hard to believe that we will receive love, that somebody would actually care for us, that somebody would have those feelings for us. And that there can be this shutdown of, if you have this mentality of no one will love me, then we often repeatedly subject ourselves to situations where somebody will be a little bit distant. And then we'll have that shutdown where it's like that, that real plays in our head. Oh, I knew it. I knew I wouldn't get love. I knew I wouldn't be loved. And I, it sounds like that's kind of what your client does is, Oh, I I knew this wouldn't work out. I wasn't going to get this money. I never get money. So it's sort of like the shutting down and going back into our, in our wounding back to our wound, back to our victim mentality of that's not for me. It never will be. Absolutely. And if we can't open to love, we're not going to be able to open to money. I like to say that money is a loving energy. And if you can connect to it as a loving energy, then that can be a really powerful way to transform that relationship and to let more of it in. And I take people through a guided meditation where you have your two hands out and you're receiving through the left hand, moving the energy through the heart space and giving through the right hand. And when you do this, you go inside and visualize this flow of the energy into the left and out of the right through the heart space, then you can see, well, which which is easier for me to receive or to give? Where is the energy stuck? Can I let it move through my heart? So we have to move through some of these shifts on that somatic level. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. I'll try that. (laughs) Try that. Yeah. I think that um, that's, that money is a loving energy that, I mean, talk about, I think that's one of the biggest things is that money kind of almost has this sort of almost like a sinister vibe in our culture, just because we're struggling so much with this, these vast amounts of wealth for certain people, for certain organizations, that's just above and beyond and so lavish. And there's just so much talk about money and people do things for money that are, you know, not very aligned with morals. And there's, I mean, money, it's just such a huge thing. So I think that people associate money almost as bad. It's like, kind of like, oh, I shouldn't want money. If I get money, I'm greedy. And, but then there is also a lot of greed. So it is a very complex 
presence in our world. And it's, it is unfortunate because it is loving. Ultimately, it's just, again, it's just, and it's just a provisional thing. It provides you. It's what, you know, if you take away again, the external, it's just that, which is coming into your life and bringing into your life. Right. It's just, and it comes and goes, it's an exchange, just like love, you know, I mean, they're one and the same love, money, food, all of it, sex. (laughs) And you can use it. You can use it to influence things in ways that you want, which brings me to the social justice aspect of this, that using, which I mentioned in the beginning, using your money to help support change in our culture. So giving to causes that you care about, and this can be a motivation for making more money. We kind of have to plan, have a plan in our mind about what we're going to do with the money if we make more. Otherwise, it's scary for some people to just have money around. So to think about, I need these savings pockets, a vacation plan. I need an emergency savings. But also, I want to be be practicing philanthropy. I want to be supporting the causes I care about can be a really beautiful motivator. Yeah. Yeah. That what a, what a great idea. Cause I've never really thought about that is really focusing on, you know, cause it's, we often are like, well, I want love. I want a relationship and I want money. Well, it's like, well, what will you do with those things? What do you, cause so often, like you said, we'll get those things and it's like, well, this isn't what I thought. And I don't know what to, how to sit within this or, you know, it's, we just know that we want these certain things because the, it's more the idea of the thing, but it's like, well, what will you do with the actual presence of that energy? So I think acknowledging that like, well, if I got super successful and money comes my way, I'm going to, you know, reinvest it and use it to create a center and to help as many people as possible and channel out messages that I think are, you know, really beneficial for our highest good and just really set set it straight. And because also, as we know, you know, the spoken word is powerful and what you ask of the universe will often you will get. <laughs> it's just a matter of what we're what we're asking the universe for, being aware of what we're asking. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a manifesting tool is to watch what you're thinking and watch what you're saying and watch what you're writing and having intentions that focus on what you want. Intentions, intentions. And that makes me think of last night, it was a full moon. It was the full moon in Leo. It was beautiful. And I, I write down my you know, the things that I'm releasing, the things that I'm grateful for, you know, you at a full moon, you're talking about what you've sown, you know, your harvest for this, this cycle. And then at the new moon is when you write down your intentions. Well, what am I looking to bring in? And so I always write them out and it is powerful to write those things out and then speak them and then think them can be, have all those things be consistent. You know, that's when you're really become a manifester, the magician. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So then let me ask you this. What, how do you have a few tips for people when they are stuck? Let's say, you know, you've had a fairly healthy relationship with money. It's all, you've always just had enough. There's not been like super struggles, but not super abundance. And, but I would say that's my situation. I feel that I've always had enough for exactly where I was in my life. I could all, you know, not enough to have my own home or something. So, but I feel that I've had this, it's like this lid. It's like, there's this subconscious knowing that's like, well, I'll never have that much. Like I'll never be like abundant. And it just kind of, I can feel it. It's like, I have this block to the belief that I could actually have a, a, you know, an abundance of wealth because I believe in the work I want to do and that I would give it back. But it's like this lid I have on. And I've thought about that more recently because I'm kind of shifting gears in my life and wanting to more so move on and invest more. And And I wonder I feel like I'm blocking myself. And I think a lot of people get to that point. Absolutely. And I think that the awareness is absolutely the first step. So that's fantastic that you're really feeling it on that energetic level Mm -hmm. and bringing in some intentions or I call them authentic intentions. They have to really sit and land as true for you. One that's really helpful is I have a wealth mindset. Or I'm cultivating a wealth mindset, or I'm willing to grow into a wealth mindset. It just starts to bring the energy of that word into your space. And I'm writing that down. Yeah, good. And then whatever your specific vision is for your wealth, you can start to spell that out as well, write it down, and catch yourself in those places when you know, there's that feeling that's never going to be me, catch yourself and question it. 
you know, the Katie Byron method of, is it true? Is it really true? How do you know it's true? And then looking at, well, what am I afraid of? You know, what's the worst thing that could happen? What's likely to happen? So these are all inner ways to start to break down some of those patterns that are getting in our way of really moving to the next level. Yes. That's so helpful. I'm going to start practicing that. That's going to be a new practice I'm incorporating. Excellent. Yeah. That belief for that and for love, because those are the two things that I've felt a lot of that block to mm-hmm. so those are because again, everything kind of goes hand in hand. So, you know, I think when you welcome in, I mean, abundance comes in all forms, right? I think of, um, there's in some Oracle cards, abundance is like the cornucopia card. So it's like, and a cornucopia is like this giant, I don't even know what it is. Just like this big old, uh, some kind of container holder. And it just has like every kind of like brilliant fruit. So abundance is really, it is all it's love, it's success, it's money, it's, you know, healthy foods and relationships. It's, you know, you're getting the whole thing and everything comes together. Cause again, it's all love. It's the same love energy. The love just comes in different, you know, sort of manifested forms. Definitely. Yeah. So I feel like what you've shared with us today, Susan can help with money. Absolutely. But it's kind of getting my you know, my brain going about just every different channel, you know, every different form that the things that we're looking to bring more of into our life and how to do that and how to shift your mindset around it and how to have practices around. Because when push comes to shove, we actually do have to get into action. Yes, things unfold at their own time, but not if you never plant the seed, not if you don't tend to the seed for it to grow and blossom. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So thank you so much for sharing all of this beautiful information with us. And you do have a big event coming up. You are hosting a symposium that I would love for you to tell us about. All right. It's called Money, Justice, and Spirituality. Amplify your love and prosperity to make a profound difference in the world. And I'm so excited about this event. I'm just so honored to be hosting it and to have a beautiful panel of brilliant speakers that I'm interviewing right now. And we're going to be broadcasting this starting on March 7th. So you'll get to explore these areas of justice and how it integrates with our spirituality and with our money and there will be some experiential pieces to it as well. We're going to have a gorgeous opening ceremony with prayer and song and poetry. So it's going to be really, really rich. And I just am very excited about it. That is so exciting. Congratulations. That's Thank a you. huge undertaking. I know it takes a lot of work. So how incredible to conceive of that. And now you're bringing it forth into fruition birth in it it's all being carried by grace mm-hmm. and some of my effort indeed beautiful <laughs> all right well i can't wait to attend and if people want to find you otherwise what where can they find you online any uh, medias and website my website is moneywisdomcoach.com you are invited to take the money type quiz that's on the home page there and, um, and I'm also happy to talk to you, you know, there's, uh, there's links on my website to set up a money insight breakthrough call, and you're welcome to set one of those up so that we can take a look at your situation and see if I can support you in making the changes you want to make. So cool. Well, you are such a remarkable resource, Susan. So thank you for the work you do. Thank you for your courage in the path that you've walked in your own healing to bring you to a place where you give of yourself so generously to others and that you have this unique offering that you listen to that calling. And now so many others benefit because of it. You know, you speak to something that is so prevalent to so many people. Thank you so much for that. And I was wondering if there's any chance if you have your violin around you anywhere nearby, if you might be open to sharing with us a little bit of music. I will, if you want to pause the video, because it'll take me a second. Absolutely.
beautiful. That was so beautiful. I feel even more at peace right now, just from who just close my eyes, taking some breaths and listening to that. There's something about the string instruments that always, it's like, it's directly connected to your heart. It's <laughs> true. Something so beautiful and profound about it. it can be so sorrowful yet also just so beautiful and inspiring so thank you for sharing that thank you for asking yeah yeah you're a woman of many talents it's so cool so amazing all right well susan thank you so much for being on the show this has been such a pleasure and such a remarkable conversation whitney thank you for having me it has been an absolute pleasure love talking with you and hearing your wisdom as well Thank you. And we all can't wait for your symposium. So go get them and good luck with it. I hope it's a fantastic event. Can't wait to watch. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care, Susan. You too. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guests. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.